is Joe Humphreys? He's a father, a wrestling coach, a boxer, an ice skater, a teacher, and a conservationist. But first and foremost, Joe's a fly fisherman. This is what actor Liam Neeson had to say about his time fishing with Joe. A number of years ago, I had the honor and the pleasure of fishing with the great Joe Humphreys in the Chuck Streams in Pennsylvania. We'll never forget the experience because not only was it a master class in watching a great fly fisherman, it was just an, it was, it became like a lesson in how to conduct oneself in life. I remember as we approached the stream and Joe very carefully got into the creek, the stream, he, within seconds, became one with the environment. Within seconds, he became one with the stream, the rocks underneath the stream, and indeed the fish hiding and feeding behind certain rocks. It was quite uncanny. And uh, I'll never forget the day. We caught some fish, catch and release, of course. And to be in the company of this joyous man, wonderful human being, who laughed a lot, giggled, talked about different things. And, but all the time, his, his third eye was on that stream <laughs> and where a fish might be hiding or lurking. Beautiful man. I'll never forget the day. Hi, I'm Heather Grayson, writer, producer, and director who craves passion in filmmaking, and documentarians are just that. I write fiction, but I love to watch the truth. My name is B.C. Wayman. I'm an actor, a writer, an entertainer, all sorts of creative endeavors. But what I love most? Being a storyteller. It's why I love documentaries. They're extraordinary stories from everyday extraordinary people. This is Behind the Doc, and today we are behind the scenes with Live the Stream, the story of Joe Humphreys. I am Joe Humphreys. I am 86 years old, 86 years young. I'm a professional fly fisherman here in central Pennsylvania, and these streams are some of my favorites to fish in all of the world. I've been fishing since I was six years old. From that moment on, I have lived, breathed, taught, and competed in the wonderful sport of fly fishing. All right, welcome everyone. Behind the Dock, where we take a deep look into documentary filmmaking, and we are very excited today to be joined by two people, the directors of, gosh, an amazing film, an amazing film that really God, it pulls on all your heartstrings is really the best way I can say it. We're here with Megan and Lucas Bell from Nomadic Studios, who are the directors of Live the Stream. And Heather and I just watched this recently, and it was a pretty amazing film. Why don't just you guys introduce yourselves to the audience, and uh, we'll go from there. My name is Lucas Bell. I'm co-director and cinematographer of Live the Stream. And I'm Megan Bell, and I'm co-director, writer, and editor of Live the Stream. Live the Stream follows the story of uh, Joe Humphreys, who's an 86-year-old legendary fly fisherman from Pennsylvania. His story is just really unique, and he's the, I don't know, he's an icon of fly fishing, but, you know, I think the story touches more than just people that like fly fishing. I think that it really resonates with a lot of people. Live the Stream is an inspiring story about an 86-year-old man who has followed his passions his entire lifetime. 
So a lot of people look at this film and just assume it's all about fly fishing, but it's about far more than fly fishing. And especially, I, I think it's something that it's a film that relates to all ages and all ethnicities and all genders. Yep. And I mean, it's it's a story about living your passion for your lifetime. Yeah, I found it really fascinating, not only the depth of the fly fishing and him teaching and him being this just wonderful man, but I loved you guys put in how he was a wrestling coach. There was just so many avenues that he went down and he became a mentor for so many people. I'm most proud of my dad for who he is to other people. It's not just that he's this famous fisherman. Somebody can say to me, my son got to meet your dad for 10 minutes and it was a wonderful experience. And that sums it up of who he is as a person. Oh yeah, it's incredible. I mean, ev everywhere that we traveled with our film festivals and with our film tour, there were always audience members that stood up across the country yep. saying that, you know, standing up and being like, hey Joe, like, I don't know if you remember me, but you were my teacher, you were my coach, you were my mentor, and you have meant the world to me throughout my lifetime. We not only get that, but we have gotten so many emails and so many messages yeah. from around the world of people who he has inspired and who his, you know, has he's bettered their lives. So it's it's incredible how far his reach is. Yeah, and he has no email. You know, he's he's not on any social. You know, he's he has like a rotary phone at home, and yet and yet he has like, you know, this. He's amassed this following. I got an email, I think, two days ago from somebody in Iraq that's deployed there, and they watched Live the Stream with their whole, uh, you know, his group of guys, and he was just he emailed me saying how inspiring it was and stuff like that is just awesome to hear. The fact that you become known for some expertise in your field is wonderful, but I think as a teacher, you want to be as well versed as you possibly can. You owe it to your students. I have traveled extensively, and I've had the privilege of working with so many people and teaching so long, and I'm still so busy teaching. I think one word that keeps coming back to Joe Humphreys is teacher, right? We keep coming that to a lot, whether it's a mentor, but he has taught so many people. And one of those places that's near and dear to Joe is Penn State University, State College, Pennsylvania. And from my understanding, Lucas, that's where you first ran into Joe. Uh, I think you were a student there, is that correct? Can you tell us a little bit how you met Joe? Yeah, so I went to Penn State, and Penn State, if you watch the stream, you'll find out that Penn State was the first accredited university in the country to teach fly fishing. When I was there, I took, I was uh, obviously love fly fishing, and, you know, I took the class, and I was also a film major, and I wanted to do a quick documentary about the history of the class. So I was fortunate enough to, to interview the first teacher who, at that time, he was 93, his name is George Harvey, and the second teacher of the class, his name is Joe Humphreys. So I I got to, to basically interview and do a little, quick little doc about the history of the class. I met Joe and met his wife, Gloria, when I was a student. Fast forward 10 years later, my wife and I have a doc, uh, production company, and we were thinking about doing a documentary, and we were kind of brainstorming ideas about who would be a good subject. And I kind of, you know, I was like thinking like, you know, maybe, maybe there's this guy at Penn State, you know, it's Joe Humphreys, he's a great teacher, loves the outdoors, big fly fisherman, I think he'd be a great story idea. So... I uh, ran into him at a fly fishing show, and I kind of proposed the idea to him about doing a documentary about his life. I do a lot of casting for um, reality television, and it's always within those first couple minutes that you know if you have found the right person to be featured, right? Like, you need that right, that, like, 
magnetic personality to to be on camera or on film. And it is, it's it's literally within a couple minutes of meeting Joe that you suddenly realize how unique he is and how inspiring he is and how this this was the guy for us. The mountains, the streams, the resources were so wonderful. And so State College area was an important aspect of my life. We are going after some cold spring water. That water is absolutely delightful. And that's what I have in my coffee. That's my coffee water in the morning. Cold spring water that comes right out of the mountain. Did he uh, serve you a cup? And I've been thinking about this since I've seen this film twice now. Did you get a cup of the River Stream coffee? Because it looks amazing. And that's all I really want right now is my coffee made from water straight from a stream. Just 100%. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got, I mean, he made that for you every morning. Yeah. Like, if we were like, he was always up. You always had to have a cup of coffee before we started filming. So he'd be up, he's making his coffee from the spring water. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I think one of the most amazing things I learned about the film and learning through Joe was, I think, just State College, Pennsylvania, the area. Like, I'm familiar with Penn State, you know, the Nittany Lions, you know, the football program. I'm from Ohio. I'm an Ohio State fan. So I always grew up knowing that. I did not have a concept of how... I mean, gorgeous, beautiful, the natural inherent beauty of the area with the streams and the tributaries. Is that a common reaction that people are so used to State College and Penn State that they're like, that's a beautiful natural area that, of course, deserves protection. I was stunned to learn all that exists up in that area by Penn State. Yeah, there's there's some of the best trout streams in, I think, eastern United States and central PA. I've gotten to f fish at a lot of places, but... I mean, I was at Penn State for four years and I only knew of like maybe like two streams that it were, I mean, they were really nice streams, but I mean, he took us to these places that were just blew your mind, like up in the mountains, these little brook trout streams. I mean, a lot of times we weren't allowed to say where they were or what stream because he doesn't want people, you know, he doesn't <laughs> have a lot of people going there. But, um, you know, it, it, central Pennsylvania is just, I mean, it's some of the best water in the country. Sometimes I feel that the streams and the rivers run through me. And the flow of the waters, it's been my soul. It's been my heart. And I want to protect them. It was amazing that you guys put so much emphasis on the conservation of it. Watching that, I was like, man, we really need to do more. I myself, I was definitely inspired to go out and take a look and pick up trash if I need to. Was there a lot of that where people, like, inspired to do some of this conservation? I hope so, because, I mean, that was one of our goals was, especially with Pennsylvania and especially with the way that the, all these environmental roles are being ro rolled back and we try not to be political, but we hope that people watching the film will say, just take notice, just like you said, like just be like, you know what, there's some really beautiful things around me and I should pay a little bit more attention to like the environment and the streams and my local waterways. So we didn't want to be like overly political, but we just wanted to give it that like, you know, conservation message that, that you should take notice what's around you. And that's Joe's whole mission too. So he would be thrilled if anyone who watched this film walked away wanting to better the environment. Everything that we talked about, even developing the story for the film and everything, like that's what he wanted people to take away from it. All of these dreams bring people from all over the world to fish here. 
And unfortunately, there's so many threats that are facing the streams. They drive for the Marcellus Shale and the disruptive activities of strip mining can ruin a lot of waters. It's a never-ending battle, and we have to stay on our toes to keep our waters clean. I think he makes the act of it doable, right? If you look at just what Joe has set out to do and whether it's Thompson Run and saving Spring Creek and just focusing on that little area, his tenacity to just save one small part of it, right? Get it around the duck pond and make sure it goes set around that freeway system. Just that says, well, if I can do this, if I can just do one small part, which I think is what I took from him, like just do your part. And as Heather just said, just pick up that trash, just do this part that's a step forward. Like, that's a step in the right direction. And if one part's good, then it will flow, you know, water pun intended, into the next area. So I think his message does come off very strong of just do your part because it's all you can do. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, it, Thompson Run is like a very small part of Spring Creek. He's focused on that one spring that fed Spring Creek since like 1977. He's been trying to, you know, restore that because he knew it was so vital to to Spring Creek, which is the big, a bigger, you know, tributary. To see him do that and to work so hard, it's impressive. I mean, he's still, he's almost got it to a point where he feels that it's going to be saved and everything. So it just takes a lot of time and with progress and everything, it's 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 tough to keep. I agree because it's his message and live the stream. It's conservation efforts that you do in your backyard, in your local community can have a far reach. That's what we wanted this film to say. And speaking of the water aspect of it, was it working in the water? And how is the fly fishing at night? That was that was huge questions for us. A lot of technical issues there. We'd love to hear how you work through, whether it's nighttime, the water. You had a lot of, for a small documentary focused on one person, a very technical shoot, it seemed like. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, just getting to, to film in the streams. Um, yeah, we loved it. it. I mean, we, we were in the water all the time. Yeah, I think we it had... It was the best office ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so it was, always, it was tough to come back and start editing. I mean, we basically spent three and a half years in the streams of Pennsylvania and a few other states. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, we definitely took some some chances with our, you know, it's hard to, like, plan a tripod in the middle of a, a raging, you know, stream and hope it, that, you're, you know, everything's going to work out. Luckily, we didn't lose any cameras. We didn't no, lose yeah. any lenses. We did really good great. with that. We may have lost a drone. <laughs> I was going to say, are there any good bloopers of people sliding in the mud bank, someone slipping under the water? I feel like this also is a shoot roop or rife with potential bloopers because of all the rough footing and water. <laughs> it's, you know, we probably, I mean, we probably, we probably fell a couple times, but somebody asked me, in filming with Joe for three and a half years, did you ever see him fall? I, we never saw him no, fall. No, not once. He is, like wow. this, he, he is unbelievably, I don't, know, I don't know if it's ice skating or whatever, you know, he, but he is just so stable on his feet. Well, it's spending a lifetime in the stream. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he just, and I, I mean, it's, it's for a guy who also, like you said, knife fishes. I mean, he, he's, he has the ability to go out in the water in the pitch black with no lights and be able to work his way through the water that way too. So. Yeah. yeah and that's the other thing with night, when we did all the night shoots, like you aren't allowed to have lights on. Okay. Lights out. It's called pinpoint casting in darkness. You have to know when to squeeze that stroke off to get back under those trees and next to that bank. And if you don't spot that fly in a very few inches, it's difficult to take them. We'd be rolling in pitch black. And if he got a, a big giant brown trout on, then, then we could turn the lights on. So you're like filming in the dark. You're hoping that, you know, something's going to happen. I mean, we were out for two to three hours 
easily multiple times. I mean, there was points when we were in Arkansas and it was, we were, it was four o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting in the pitch black being like, what am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) But when you look back at it, it was the best thing ever. Like, I mean, I, you know, Oh, the the night fishing by far, those are my favorite memories. Like, it's just, it's, it was, I I feel honored to have experienced that with Joe Humphreys. I was amazed at how many people. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Just wanted to watch him. Right. There was all this. There was that one comment where some guy just found him. He's like, hey, I just want to watch you fish. I was I guess I've. it must be a surreal experience because everyone was just seemed satisfied, not just to fish with Joe Humphreys, but to be around him and watch him fish. Was it his just enthusiasm? Is it his knowledge? What is it his aura? Why are so many people attracted to just watching this man do his craft amazingly well? All of the above. I think like uh, Denny, who's also in the film, is like his very close friend, like basically his his son. But Denny's always, always would compare it. It's like watching Babe Ruth take batting practice. 90% of the time when we fish together, I'm not fishing. I'm just standing next to him. <laughs> Why would I possibly want to be 50 feet down the stream doing my thing Very nice, huh? when the living legend is right there? Even that first day that we kind of went up and did like a little scouting and met him, we were walking down the stream on Spring Creek. We had like a, you know, 70, we we're just kind of filming a little bit. And this kid was fishing across the stream he came running out of the stream and to walk up on shore to shake Joe's hands, like, I've been wanting to meet you forever. Choosing between wrestling and fly fishing, it was a decision that I knew would really affect my life. Fishing was, I guess you might say, was in my blood. I would never discard it. I would never, it was always there. It had to be there. But when I found out that I could make money in the fly fishing world collegiately as an instructor at Penn State, there was no choice. I gave up wrestling and continued in the fly fishing world. He seems to excel, by the way, if you're thinking about it a little bit, at these sports where it requires some singular focus. And I know that ice skating could have partners, but wrestling, ice skating, fishing are all sole, like sole individual sports with very mentally strong focus to pull off what you do well. Is that, do you think that is a trait that, you know, just pulled through and uh, something you learned about him? Yeah, I mean, he, I, he he's got... He's also a coach too. So like, he's got that, you know, he's just got that ability to really focus on things. So, you know, the ice skating thing kind of came out of nowhere for us. Like, which, like we were with his family and they're like, Hey, by the way, um, we were all sitting around in his living room and they're like, you know, our dad, his daughters were there and Joe was there. He's like, you know, he, he, he likes ice. He's ice skate all the time. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like we have a video, an old VHS video of him ice skating at, uh, uh, the Bryce Jordan center. And I'm like, what? And then they put that video in, and I'm like, this is going to be in the film. 
And here's something a lot of people don't know. He was a very good ice skater, and he taught advanced ice skating as a phys ed course at Penn State. And my mother taught beginning ice skating. So at any given time, you could go up to the rink and find both of them teaching a class. He actually was in an ice show where he did an ice dance with his fishing rod, and which was amazing. It's definitely, I, I was saying earlier, I said, I said, you know, there, there's, there's things people say, you know, if you can excel at something, be very, very good at that one thing. And like, this guy just like proves that theory wrong. Like he is just like great at everything he's doing. And it's, it was really, it was really great to look at. And it's really great to have the family members involved and, you know, talking, talking a lot and his, his daughters and then talking about his wife. And that was just pure gold and pure peace and love. And I know that that's a little bit hippie, but it's, it's definitely something that I needed right now. (laughs) I love that. That, That's what we wanted too. Like we, who was it? Someone um, told us before, it's like a healthy dose of positivity that the world needs right now. Right? Like that, that was one of the reviews that we got. So and that's exactly it. But that's also Joe. Like, Joe, again, he's he's unlike anyone else that you'll ever meet because he's just, he's so honest and he's so giving. And yeah, you know, he's so good at so many different things, but every path led him back to fly fishing and back to teaching. You know, he's super humble and, and I don't know. I mean, he's just a good guy, you know? And like how many documentaries are out there right now that just are about really good people in this world and people trying to make a positive impact. Yeah, I will say there is one heartbreaking moment, and that is when he didn't get that big brown. I mean, I I'm so, I, I know that I teared up for sure. And then you guys hugging him and, you know, just making him feel better. I was just like, oh, that stupid fish. <laughs> like, I was definitely mad at the fish. <laughs> I mean, he still talks about that today. I mean, he, he's trying to get us to go back to Arkansas, I mean, even this January, he was trying to go back again. I am still going to take a 20-pound brown. If I have to come back from another world to do it, I will find a 20-pound brown. That fish haunts us now. Yeah, I remember we once that night happened, like, we went and looked at the footage, and I'm like, and you, like, want to keep watching and be like, okay, he's, this is, he's going to get it this time, right? And, like, it's just... Well, again, because talking about the brilliance of Joe Humphreys and why people watch him fish... We spent how many days on Six days. that river with him? And you you could watch him, you could see it happening. He was studying the river, he was studying what he needed to do. And then by that the last run on that very last day, he knew exactly what he needed to do to get that big fish and he got it. Well, but he didn't. You must have had, I mean, you talked about not only that Joe loved to be on camera and he's got a ton of archival footage where he was uh, on ESPN is one of the first fly fishermen featured on there. You know, you have your ice skating video and you have, as you talk frequently, lots of footage and editing. How was that process on the technical side? How do you decide in your brain after all these hours of footage, this is what makes our narrative and this, uh, th- this has to go. What was that decision like in editing? Was there any pieces you left out that were tough to leave out? but you knew you had to. Just talk a little bit about that process of what you had to leave behind and what it was like to scour. Because I think that's an underestimated part of making a documentary, especially that young filmmakers or any age don't realize is the amount of footage you have to scour through to make in your head the perfect film. We shot, uh, we had 25 terabytes of footage. Wow. Um, on Dropbox. <laughs> oh, man. I get uh, mad when I go above my two-gig free limit. I'm like, yeah. Oh. 
I know for us, like we're, we're used to either doing, you know, short promos or, or even, you know, the longest, like hour long episodes for, for different series. So sitting down and having that daunting task of 23 terabytes to look through, it was the biggest puzzle that we have ever assembled. But it also was so, it was so fun because we had, I, I don't know, there weren't many bad moments in that footage because it was all so beautiful. And like, how can you go wrong with gorgeous stream yeah. scenic shots? And we built the film, gosh, I don't even know how many different times and then tore it apart and shuffled it around and made it all over again. We were happy with where it landed and we're happy with the message that, you know, kind of shines through the film because that's, it also was important to us that it was a story that Joe was happy with too. I really know fly fishing from A River Runs Through It. So I don't know how many times have you watched, like how many times did you watch that? Has he watched it? Does he think they're like awful at fly fishing? You know, I just had to know. He loves that film. Obviously it's one of our favorite films too. I have a a great story about River Runs Through It. I'll tell it real fast. So, we got invited, our, our film was up for uh, Film of the Year at the International Fly Fishing, uh, was it IFTD? Drake Magazine. Yeah, the Drake Magazine uh, Film of the Year. And w- it was in Denver. And we, our film won Film of the Year. And as I, I, I accepted the, the trophy, I uh, was walking on stage and a guy reached out and shook my hand. And he said, hey, my name is so-and-so. And uh, I was one of the cinematographers for River Runs Through It. I was like, what? So like, he's like, you know, I, you know, I can't wait to see the film because he hadn't seen it yet. But, uh, you know, to to have him like, like the first person I uh, met after we won our award, I was, was pretty cool. And we've also, we've had some great reviews where people say, you know, that the film that kind of shone the spotlight on fly fishing was a river runs through it. And now like the film that's coming up next is live the stream. So, I mean, we, we've, we've kind of been compared to it, which is, Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison to have. Your time on the award circuit, is that something you like to do? Do you find yourself when you're sitting there and showcasing it off to these different groups of people and you have Fisher-focused people and then people just into the movies? Did you enjoy that process? Because you do got to kind of work it to get it out there, right? To to make these kind of tours. What's that process? And just maybe distribution trials, tribulations, and successes that you've had during this time. And I'm sure there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. The film circuit was amazing because we got not only did we get to to go on a film circuit, but we also brought Joe and his entire family with us. So the film premiered at Breckenridge Film Festival in October of 2018. You know, we had all all our family come out and his family. So like we were all, we like rented houses and it was just an amazing experience. So we got to not only do the festival circuit, we got to share it with our families and Joe and it was. It was awesome. It was like, we really enjoyed that because then we were also, you know, stopping and fishing along with the way with Joe, but it's all of the, and he was doing some casting demonstrations after some of the, Uh, some of the screenings. And it was great. You know, we're, we're expecting fly fishermen and fly fisherwomen to appreciate the film. But for us, it was all of the people who came to our screenings who would come up, especially to me afterwards, a lot of women would come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, you know what? In tears being like, I'm so sorry. I only came to this film with my husband because he kind of, he dragged me here and I thought I was going to hate it. But, you know, they were crying and they're like, this quickly is one of my favorite films I've ever seen. It's more emotional than I ever expected it to be. So 
that was awesome. And that, that's exactly what we wanted for this film too. We wanted it to reach past the fly fishing community, which I, it definitely has and does. So, Yeah, that's the best part of filmmaking is breaking that mold sometimes. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. A good summation of the film for me was when he's teaching. It was one of the different classes. And I apologize on which one. And it was the young woman who, with dad, was a fisherman, and she never caught a fish. And he works through her, and she catches that fish, and it's just—it's a beaming smile. Joe just walked her through it, and he seemed to walk all of these young people through it, from inexperienced to the youth fly fishing team to, you know, sixty-year-old men hanging out there learning how to fish. He just walks them through it, and he shares their jubilation, even though he has caught, as you said, hundreds on a day, he can still share the jubilation of one small 10-inch fish. The Jesse Arnell group of children are mostly from the cities. We never got a chance to fish and enjoy the great outdoors. Good one. That would be a good day if everybody caught fish. This is my first time fishing. My dad fishes all the time, so I wanted to give it a try. We got him. Ooh. We got a fish. This oh, is fantastic. This is amazing. Whoa, look at this. Wow, your first trout? My first trout. Oh, what a beauty. Look at the pretty colors. Yes. Oh. oh my gosh, this is just amazing. Yay. He will tell you that, you know, the fishing, the, the trout are what keep him young. It's his fountain of youth. So for him, it's like he never grew up. He started fly fishing when he was young. He never grew up. And now he's passing along that joy to anyone who wants to learn. I think it would be an amazing time. I think uh, Joe Humphreys clearly is a pretty amazing individual. And I think Megan and Lucas Bell from Nomadic Studios, we thank you very much for introducing him. As you said, it was, and I first heard about the film, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this nice fly fishing documentary. And I left like a little sobbing mess. But then like, I want, it was inspiring. And I tried to do more that very day. Like, I just got to get out there. If he's waking up and jumping rope at six in the morning and catching fish all night, like I can do more. And if he's trying to save one little tributary, I can do more. And I think that's a great message, whether it's fishing or not, that I have taken away from that. So I'm really happy that we got to talk to you and that we got to meet via you, Joe Humphreys. So thank you very, very much for joining us. I think that as a filmmaker and you guys, you guys took, you found such an amazing subject. And for, for us, we're, you know, we're doing this podcast for people to maybe listen and see how they can make their own documentary. And I think that you guys taking Joe, you know, putting in what you have and just you know, making this film. It was, it's amazing. I love it. Thank you for being positive. I think we all need it. Thank you so much. Oh, that means you. a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was quite an undertaking, but like definitely like one of the best things we've ever decided to do. And definitely. Well, I am still rooting to the end for him to catch that fish. So I expect as soon as it like- He's still going for yeah, it. For, so. if, <laughs> if you have whatever uh, social media you have out there and stuff, follow Nomadic Studios because I feel like the moment that happens, that's very important breaking news right now. Like that yeah, fish is caught. Yes. Thank you very much for um, just introducing Joe into the lives of the people that didn't know him. Even more people that can call him a friend. So thank you both. Sure. Lucifer, Thanks so much, thank guys. Thank you. To grow older, you appreciate what you have more. And I think trout streams are fountains of youth. It's that challenge to try to take that fish. It's always a learning situation. I will never lose that excitement of going on a trout stream. Every day on the stream is an adventure. And as a teacher, if I've passed some good things on to other people, not only the how-to, the nuts and the bolts of the fly fishing game, but an appreciation of nature itself. That's what it's all about. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Dock. If you liked us, because we all know you did, 
Leave us a review in your Apple Podcast app. Behind the Dock is produced by Evergreen Podcast in association with Gravitas Ventures. Special thanks to executive producers Nolan Gallagher and Michael D'Aloya. Produced by Sarah Wilgroup and audio engineer Eric Coltmau. And you'll find us everywhere and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.